The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. Hello and welcome to the Colombia Calling Podcast. On this episode 420, Richard McCall sits down with Latvian immigrant to Colombia, San Liev, to discuss the sacred ritual of ayahuasca and its properties. We hear how an engineer working on oil rigs in the North Sea has transplanted himself to rural Antioquia. But first, your top news stories for the week with me, Emily Hart. The latest polls suggest there will be a second round presidential election this year. No candidate looks to gain 50% in the first round scheduled for late May. Polls give Gustavo Petro, leader of left-wing coalition Pacto Histórico, 35% of voting intentions. Federico Gutierrez, leader of right-wing coalition Equipo por Colombia, has 24%. Centrist leader of the Centro Esperanza coalition Sergio Fajardo has 10%. However, polls also do suggest that around 20% of voters in Colombia are still undecided. After the controversy around March's legislative elections, more than 5,000 voting stations will receive new voting jurors for the presidential vote, particularly stations where it was found that there were human errors or possible irregularities in the March vote. There will also be a drive to appoint more experienced jurors. Additionally, the Attorney General has announced an investigation into National Registrar Alexander Vega and the possible irregularities in contracting and possible negligence in his function during those March elections, which may have led to the discrepancies. And the scandal deepens around the military operation in Putumayo, which reportedly killed at least four civilians amid a massacre carried out by the army in the village of Altoromanso, on the border with Ecuador. The official version had stated that 11 FARC dissidents had been killed in the operation and four more had been captured. But claims emerged from the Ombudsman's Office and human rights organizations that at least four civilians were killed in the operation and were initially presented as FARC dissidents. Witnesses have reported to numerous local and international media outlets that masked armed men dressed in black attached, attacked the village and that soldiers later fired indiscriminately on fleeing residents. Others claim that evidence, including bodies, was tampered with by the military. Watchdogs are demanding that the army clarify who the victims were and how the operation was carried out. Senators from various opposition parties are demanding that Defence Minister Diego Molano answers for the operation. In this area of Lower Putumayo, 
22,000 hectares are planted with coca leaf, and there are two armed groups fighting for control of drug trafficking on the border with Ecuador. Comandos de la Frontera, made up of FARC dissidents from the so-called Segunda Mar Marquetalia, along with demobilized paramilitaries. And, on the other hand, the Primero Carolina Ramirez Front, another wing of the FARC dissidents linked to alias Gentil Duarte. This operation aimed at finding alias Bruno, leader of a faction of the Comandos de la Frontera. The recent killings are being dubbed false positives by social organizations, harking back to the Colombian army's practice of extrajudicially executing civilians and passing them off as combat kills during the country's civil conflict. One of the men due to testify at the Special Justice Tribunal, the HEP, over that original so-called false positive scandal has been expelled from transitional justice due to currently being imprisoned in Haiti, accused of responsibility for the assassination of President Jovenel Moïse, shot 12 times in his home on the 7th of July last year. Francisco Eladio Uribe Ochoa is one of the 18 Colombian former soldiers being held over that crime. In Colombia, Uribe Ochoa was being investigated for the murder of two men from Medellin's Comuna 13, who were allegedly tricked, abducted, murdered, and then registered by the army as combat casualties in 2008. The prosecutor's office had issued an arrest warrant for him, which was not carried out, as he requested and was granted a trial at the HEP. Meanwhile, in front of the U.S. Justice Department, another former Colombian soldier has pled not guilty to conspiracy to commit the kidnapping and assassination of Haiti's president. Mario Palacios' lawyer told reporters that Palacios was not aware of what was being planned, even when he reached Haiti with the team. The Supreme Court has given the green light to the extradition to the USA of Dairo Antonio Usuga David, alias Otoniel. Otoniel is wanted by the U.S. justice system for drug trafficking, murder, and the use of firearms. Otoniel led armed group the Clan del Golfo, also known as the Autodefensas Gaitanistas de Colombia, Colombia's largest criminal organization. He was arrested in October last year after nearly a decade of attempts to capture him by the Colombian government. Otoniel was not accepted by the Special Justice Tribunal, though victims demanded that he not be extradited due to information he claimed he was willing to share, particularly about the false positive scandal and the collaboration of numerous top military figures with paramilitary activities during the armed conflict. He also claims to have evidence of how politicians, cattle ranchers, businessmen and civilians participated in the armed conflict, including collaboration with armed violence against land claimants, human rights defenders and social leaders. It is unlikely that his victims in Colombia will see justice once he enters the U.S. system. Meanwhile, a drug trafficker from the Mexican Sinaloa cartel has been captured in Cali. Brian Donaciano Olguin Bardugo, known as Pitt. According to the Colombian police, Sinaloa cartel boss Ismael Zambada had sent Pitt to southwest Colombia to negotiate drug shipments with dissident FARC guerrillas part of the Southwest Coordinating Command, a federation of groups which controls cocaine production facilities and trafficking routes in the region around the city of Cali, in the department of Valle de Cauca. Those were your top stories for the week. Thanks for listening.
and we're back. This is episode 420 of the Columbia Curling Podcast. I'm Richard McCall here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 420, as I said, and my very special guest is Sam well, believe, and he's in rural Antioquia, and we're going to discuss ayahuasca, or as it's known in Colombia, yahe. Uh, we've done a we've done an episode on this uh, many many months ago with uh, an academic. It was uh, episode two hundred ninety one, where we explored traditional medicines. But right now, we're going to look at, uh, at Sam, who's originally from Latvia, but now is a transplant to Antioquia, and who has well set up a ayahuasca retreat in well outside of medellin so welcome on the columbia calling podcast thank you richard uh pleasure to be here hey, thank Report, you uh 100 1450 meters closer <laughs> to sun so okay so but a bit warmer than here definitely yeah. uh than bogota but listen i this is an amazing story i know a little bit about your past not a lot but i know that you worked in sort of oil and gas uh, so good exploitative extractive industries and you must have had some sort of epiphany in your life to turn it all around to get into I guess what would we say spiritual ancient medicine tell, tell us a little bit of how a Latvian ends up in rural Antioquia yeah well it was not as smooth and there was not like one single moment where I just went from working oil and gas and to just basically being a spiritual, but it was a gradual transition. It took me about five years. Yeah, I worked with a lot of people from uh, your part of the world in the UK. We worked in North Sea. I worked mm -hmm. in um, both offshore uh, wind and offshore oil and gas. And you just sit there on a piece of metal for four weeks at a time, uh, do a boring, stressful job. It pays a lot, but I never liked it. and It was soul crushing. So eventually I, I saved some money to travel. For a year, my goal was to travel uh, through South America, beginning in Colombia, but then uh, I did Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and I like Colombia so much. I came back to Colombia, and from then on, I started, started coming more and more back here, till eventually I settled here, and now I live in, in a finca in the countryside. I have a wife and uh, one son and one more in a way, two dogs, you know, the, the whole typical setup, you know, American dream in a way in Colombia. <laughs> Well, uh, congratulations on that. Congratulations. So you've moved from oil rigs in the North Sea uh, to, mm -hmm. uh, again, the beautiful countryside of, of Antioquia. And uh, I mean, what happened? What happened to create this, this uh, well, I guess it's a, you completely flipped it, your life on its head, really. What happened to you to, to turn your back on good income, stable, uh, uh, stable uh, employment? Yeah, so what happened to me was that basically uh, for a few years I was living off my savings and I've, I'm lucky to have some passive incomes uh, streams. So basically I didn't need to work, but I felt uh, that I was like useless and not really like I, I could I couldn't understand why I was here and what it was all about. And even though I was like living a dream dream on a, on the, on the surface, like anyone would uh, envy that kind of lifestyle. I was like empty inside. So I turned to medicines because I've heard about them and I started like uh, drinking the ayahuasca for myself. And at first it made me feel better, made me reconnect with the, the, you know, beauty around me and understanding, you know, that 
life was actually good. Till eventually one time I I had a, a revelation during one of the sessions in the jungle that led me to the lifestyle I have now, which is, I mean, my background is engineering, so I'm still a very rational person, but more and more I use those woo-woo terms and spiritual stuff because, I, you know, when you work with it for so long, you just have no choice but starting to believe the, the things that are happening around you. But yeah, if you want, I can tell you that, that story. Tell it makes revelation. Yeah, it, it gives me the goosebumps even, uh, you know, every time I, I talk about it, I think about it. So I think it was my seventh time drinking medicine. It was the first time I went to the jungle to do it. Uh, um, and uh, one of the, it was like a four-day retreat. And uh, I think on the second day of drinking the medicine, it basically, I went to this deep, deep space. Basically, your my ego dissolved and I just went to this uh, like level of consciousness where from what I understood, it was like lifting a bonnet on a car and looking at the mechanism. So like ev- how everything works in that world. And uh, maybe that's my background, you know, cause I used to work with engines and uh, it basically showed me that. And I went to this world, there were entities there for sure, because a lot of people talk about talking to entities, but I didn't talk to them. They basically told me they were busy. So like, uh, <laughs> you know, you've seen us go away. We're very busy. And then when I started coming back to the reality, I started chanting like indigenous chants. And I mean, I don't know any indigenous languages, neither I know their music. Like it was my first time in there. And um, yeah, it was very bizarre because it was not me singing. I was just observing myself saying those indigenous sounding chants. And then when I finally stopped singing, like it started giving me those images of like healing and like methods and like rules for doing it. So basically it was showing me that I can be a healer and it showed me how to do it. And the message was like, it's hard to explain like how ayahuasca talks to you and we can talk about as well, who talks to you and who it is you talking to. Like there's different theories, but basically the message is clear. It's not words. It's not images. It's like a mix of all. It's like a, uh, like the clearest way, just the fastest way to, uh, to pass the information and you just, you just get it. And that, that was my message. So I was um, I was shown how to heal with my hands. And it was very woo-woo for me. It still is. But uh, at the same time, at this group that we were in, there was this French guy and he had the headache. So he he drank the ayahuasca, but he didn't have didn't experience anything. He was he had one of those times when you know um, people drink and they don't feel anything. It's very frustrating. But he he got a huge headache and she, he was walking around asking for for a pill and then the medicine told me that i can help him so i came to him uh slightly back from my experience and i said like dude i'm, I'm sorry i'm the, uh, the medicine is telling me to do something uh, strange like can i do it he said yeah sure and when i was seeing him uh, instead of like i could see like a like an orange triangle in his forehead basically that was to me it was understanding that it was pain and the medicine told me to put my hand on his forehead and another hand on the floor which is made from the, you know, the, the, the dirt, it's dirt floor. It's, a, it's like a medicine house in the jungle, like a hut. And then it told me to basically suck his pain, pass it through me and put it in the ground. So I did this for about 15 minutes. It was like a effort, spiritual effort, which is, uh, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but after that, his headache went away. But uh, the funniest part is that 
uh, he he was drinking the medicine, but he didn't feel anything. After that, he stood up to go to the toilet, and he couldn't reach the toilet. He just fell on the floor, and he started tripping so hard that uh, you know he pooped himself pretty much. Oh. So, That's the story. Wow, this is <laughs> quite so. But you were both you were both uh, under the effects of the ayahuasca at this time. Yes, we we both drank the ayahuasca. I was definitely affected by it much, but he he was not. He was just walking around and acting normally, and he was complaining that you know he didn't feel anything. Mm. But so, something I've done, or maybe a coincidence. I mean, I, I don't I don't say none of that is hundred percent true. I'm still doubting most of it. But after that, his experience came and strongly. So basically, he just lost it and went to the place I went prior. So coincidence or whatever it is, I, I don't know, but. After that experience, I realized I started asking shamans like, "What do I do with this? Is this normal? Does it ever happen?" And they and they basically said, "You need to drink a lot of ayahuasca, and it will teach you what to do." Mm. You know, ayahuasca, yeah, yeah, hey, There's different many names, but it's it's the same medicine. Mm. And I I I basically listened to them and started drinking it more and more often. And I thought like, what is the easiest way for me to start working with the medicine and giving people healing without actually becoming proficient you know on this uh, healing art because it's it's complex you know uh, shamans and titans it takes them 60 70 years for some of them to be to become shamans you know what can i do and i thought i live in a finca and i have this nice big space why don't i host retreats and i started doing that started small and then slowly expanding but uh, yeah it all it all it all began with uh, with an ayahuasca experience in the jungle and a very spiritual experience I'm not a very spiritual guy, and uh, even though I work with it, I still doubt a lot of things. But I, I'm like taking like careful steps. I don't want to be seen, you know, as like somebody who lost touch with reality. I'm, I still try to like ground some of the things I explained in like scientific research and stuff like that. But I think uh, I'm, I'm afraid every day I become more and more spiritual. So. I don't think it's a problem becoming more spiritual, but it is interesting to know that someone from such a, let's say, methodical background, engineering, is now you know exploring an alternative. Well, maybe that is something that we can expect. I mean, that that you, you know your life was was so uh, constructed, it was so within confines that maybe you know you were reaching for something else but i have one question about this uh experience with the french guy when you sort of placed your hand on the kind of orange triangle on his forehead and placed your other hand on the ground i guess it's a connection to you know pachamama earth did you feel his discomfort traveling through you to the ground did you feel that you were his connection Yeah, um, I felt, I, f- I definitely felt something and, and I felt like uh, it was like an effort, right? I was like, I was like, as if I was lifting like 50 kilos, it felt like mm. a very, very strong effort, but not, not in a muscle or something like that. And uh, like, uh, I could see basically with my eye closed, I, I had my eyes closed and what, what I could see was like, like this kind of Jagger pattern. Mm. Um, th- those are the things I remember, but so since then, uh, years have passed, and I have not tried doing active uh, healing or anything like that. Till actually the retreat that we just um, that we just finished, when uh, during the ceremony, one uh, one girl asked uh, asked asked for my help, and I started talking to her, and she had some 
physical ailment and uh once again the the medicine kind of told me to do something and then we set up like a small little private ceremony with her where my focus was just her healing but in, in, this time instead of like me trying to take something out of her it was me putting like the energy from like the nature into her and like a certain part of her body oh, it looks like it's gonna rain is that thunder yeah. is that thunder in antioch yes oh it's the thunder yeah oh so um yeah but uh, I'm, i mean i i'm not i'm not the, one of those people that claim i'm a shaman i'm a healer at best i'm like a student like i'm primary school kind of level but uh it's it's definitely this world is much deeper than just you know just taking the ayahuasca and healing depression at a certain point point where you reach level when when you heal yourself the the medicine will tell you to heal others uh, a lot of times people ask me like shamans why do they you know they those people like why do they drink for so long why do they keep drinking like 20 30 40 50 like thousand times like isn't that you drink it once and you get healed and you don't need to do it anymore and the, and the answer is that uh sometimes uh, after you heal yourself you then uh, embark on a journey of learning how to heal others it's it's like a a learning experience so how many times then would you say could you even remember how many times you've you've uh, uh you know taken the ayahuasca or or been under the influence of it uh, i would say somewhere around 30 30 that's a, 40 it's a lot it's a lot yeah. i mean when we w- think- within within three years so mm. It's definitely not a lot because some titans uh, report drinking it for 15, 20 days in a row. When they have like a very a very difficult uh, case of like a very sick person, they need to heal. Basically, they it's like a CPR. You know, if we stop, he dies. Then they do it for a very long time. So let's let's get into the basics of this um, uh, right from the beginning. What, I mean, is there a difference then between yahe and ayahuasca? Because yahe is, of course, the term in in Colombia and ayahuasca more in Peru and I don't know Ecuador or anywhere else but is there a difference between the two brews yeah there, there's a slight difference so first of all uh, ayahuasca or yahe or like the 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 taita that we're working for uh, for working with us uh, taita is a name for the shaman for those who don't know in in Colombian indigenous languages that's how they call their shamans taitas or maimas if those are the feminine ones uh, from their tribe, it's called Inga tribe, and they call it Ambiwaska. So there are many different names. But um, the difference between Ayahuasca, Peruvian Ayahuasca, and Colombian Ayahuasca, or Jahe, is, is the activator plant. Mm-hmm. So there is one plant that basically disables your body's ability to absorb DMT quickly, or like meta- meta- metabolize DMT quickly. And then there's a plant that actually provides the DMT. So in, in Peru, they use a plant called chacruna and in colombia they use a plant called chagro but those are those are the dmt plants it's a bush it's pretty it's pretty much a leaf of a bush but the main plant the, the most because there's a lot of plants that do dmt in the nature like a lot a lot of them but the 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 main plant that deactivates the absorption and the um, uh, metabolism of the dmt is the um the ayahuasca one the banisteriopsis capi and that's the same and that's the bulk of the brew and that's the vine yeah okay okay and so you got it and then uh, i mean obviously the taita the shaman he knows how to make this over many years he's the one that does it and 
And when you uh, like say, I mean, you said you're like a primary school level, uh, but is is there a period of time that you should wait to take it? So you take it one day, then should you take wait a couple of days for the effects to go down before taking it again? I mean, talk to us a little bit about the security and the safety issues around this. It it depends. There 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 are like different schools of thoughts and as i say depending on from going from tribe to tribe different names different traditions and um what uh, what we personally do uh, with our shaman is we do a uh, uh one week retreats which include five ceremonies we do first three ceremonies in a row during the night then we bre- then we take a break and a rest for one one day and night and then we do two more ceremonies during the day in my experience working with that, uh, a lot of people, especially foreigners, come for one day. Uh, they they like to come for one day, drink ayahuasca, and they want to see visions and then leave. And if they don't see visions, they get very frustrated. And that's why a lot of shamans add add, uh, add some other things to ayahuasca to make them more, uh, to give them more visions, which are which is dangerous. But back to the subject, if um, if you do three nights or like five nights. We never have even a single person that does not get the healing experience they expect. Be it, you know, seeing something or feeling something or understanding something. But if we just, we used to do uh, two night retreats and there would would always be at least like 20, 30% of people that were, you know, frustrated because they did not really get there. So in my experience, with every night you go slightly deeper and it's beneficial to, to the point where you know after about a week obviously your body gets exhausted your mind gets exhausted because every time every night or most of the nights you purge you vomit or you know you have diarrhea and if you purge you lose you know electrolytes and it it just it gets tiring because you you pay for the spiritual experience not only with your money but also with your sleep and with like your digestion because you you cannot eat three times a day normally it may be two times a day if you're lucky because you can't you for before drinking you need to fast for about eight hours but uh trust me it's worth it and we we now have like collection of maybe 50 videos of people just very happy um giving uh feedback and you know the the phrase that's commonly heard is like change change my life you know discover god you know get reconnected so it's it's worth it these painful though big phrases i mean changed my life discovered god can you can you kind of describe a little bit of the experiences or visions that people maybe have shared with you uh yeah i can i can tell you about like general what can happen so the the curious thing about ayahuasca curious thing about ayahuasca is that it's very unpredictable like Mm -hmm. you can drink the same cup uh, you know uh, 10 different times and have a different effect absolutely different like within those 30 40 times that i i've drank it i never had the same experience twice it can you can feel auditory hallucinations you can feel visual hallucinations you can completely dissolve your ego and disappear and go to another planet you can talk to your ancestors you can you know feel emotions you can release trauma you can there, there's just so much things that can happen it can be physical healing mental healing you can just go and meet God. You can go and be in the jungle. There's like different worlds, different levels you can go to. I mean, uh, the subject the subject is deep. The um, like once you open that door of uh, perception, like this uh, change 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 states of uh, consciousness. There's, I think it's it's all, it almost feels deeper than this reality we exist in sometimes. Uh, 
So yeah, it's it's very varied the the effects. So so for you example, um, what about the you know do you get let's say this door of perception? So sort of like the Aldous Huxley description, but do you do you find yourself transported to another place, like another actual physical location, a jungle, or do you see elements from your past, or do you see things in the future? What what I mean, what perhaps can you share with us? Any any of those you mentioned, uh, but not on the same time. So I, I had all of those you just mentioned, but on, on a separate occasions. Um, one that was, I think, very useful. Uh, one of the last sermons I drank it maybe three three nights ago or so. I I was I was feeling, you know, you go to the space with a lot of beauty, like it's you just get bombarded with beauty, like beauty, mm-hmm. beauty. And it's, it's so much. It's it's even though it's a positive emotion, it gets uncomfortable. So it was a very emotional night for me. And then the, this childhood memory arose, like a very traumatic uh, memory of like a conflict between between people where I was involved, and it was just very painful. And then it all just condensed this like uh, this negative moment, the emotions. It just condensed in my stomach, and then I vomited. So in 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 Colombian tradition, indigenous tradition, they don't say vomit as in vomitar. They said aliviar, as in like allevi- alleviate. Basically, because that's how it feels like you get, um, you feel like you're releasing emotions through physical substance of your vomit, which is strange to explain. But when you experience it, it just makes sense. Uh, as as I know, you said you never vomited, so you never released, or maybe there's nothing to release. Well, so. I'm, I'm pure. So that, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I think, I, I think I just saw a halo around. That, that's right. You can see it with your healing <laughs> skills. You can see the, yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the aura of, of goodness, but no, I, you know, I participated in this a very long time ago, uh, you know, 2002 or three or something. And it was in Iquitos in Peru. And I had actually been asked by a friend's parents to accompany her because she was from Iquitos in Peru and wanted to explore her culture because that's where she's from. Uh, and she said, you know, it'll be so much safer. The parents said it will be so much safer if you were to accompany her because having like a, a, a man there, we know that nothing will happen to our, our daughter, which although I thought because sometimes there had been cases of like uh, abuse, I think, of women under the influence but if you know again if i'm affected then how am i going to look after her anyway but equally so i guess it was just a sort of it was a deterrent uh, and i actually didn't know very much about it so i then spent the next few days reading and reading and reading and reading and i was like well you know what okay i'll have a try and yeah i had images from my past uh that's what i saw there were things from the past people who i had not thought about and couldn't kind of remember their faces or their uh, names and hadn't thought. And that's what I saw. And I was, while we were in sort of like a hut in a room, the hut changed into a jungle scenario. Um, And all I really remember is that the the taste was just revolting. And and the shaman, I think his name is Shaman Fernando, uh, you know, 
blowing the tobacco on me and making the sign of the cross on the back of my neck. And I, you know, it was, it was, there were some, there were some spooky moments. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie when I thought about it later, when we discussed uh, the reflections later, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think that was that um, I'm not sure about again. Um, it's been a long time, but can you, I ask a can I ask a question? Go for it. Was was the things you're seeing were they like passing like quickly, like one after another after another, like faces moments, or was it slow? Slow. Okay. How do you interpret that? Because a lot of times, you when you drink for the first time, you have exactly that effect. You just see things and see images and memories and like like slow fragments of your memories and just they just come and come and come like you know a thousand in, in one in each given minute and. Uh, like I tried to understand why and, and why this happens. And then uh, one type explained to me very well. It's like, uh, you know, when you're like scanning your computer for viruses and just yeah. flashes the files. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's what the ayahuasca is doing. It's basically scanning you for garbage. And then when it finds like a piece, it like focuses in on it. On if, or if you have a purpose and you're like, you're, you're uh, diamond, diamondly focused on that, you, you just go there directly if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, ah. um, uh, so, but but that, that something similar, you know, is I being like reported. This. I like this uh, this description. It it makes it very clear to me. I can see the file boxes going through. Yeah, yeah. But so it's like now, an antivirus. Yeah, I I have a question for you then, because I mean, honestly, you're about the most knowledgeable person I know on the, in this topic. But <laughs> so, do people because we were all in the room together, and there were three or four Peruvians who'd come from Cusco. Uh, and they were there to cure alcoholism. They'd obviously been, you know, it was, that's very much their sacred culture. And they were, so they really went for it when it, when it was the vomiting stage, they really, like, I think they forced and forced. And there was a French lady who I think had been practicing for some time. And then me and my friend as well. But when we, when we met up later or the next day or whenever it was to discuss our feelings and what we saw i get the impression that there was some sort of combination of experiences because we were all in the same kind of hut because and here's the spooky and this is the way you put it the woo woo um everyone there saw like a a, a, a spirit looking at me uh you know everyone there they all said we saw uh, a woman looking at you affectionately and the mm -hmm. description was that of my you know my long uh, deceased mother so that was you know that was pretty yeah, yeah that was pretty unnerving Get, getting getting goosebumps right here yeah, yeah a little bit so have you had that experience where people kind of yes, connect? Ab absolutely that's that's where we come to woo stuff and uh, as i say I, I have to believe in it more and more because just how often it happens and how much sense it makes um yeah People, uh, so when I was talking about this, like why people keep drinking and like what are the stages from be going from uh, being healed to learning to becoming a healer, there's a stage which is called like servicio. It's basically when you come to the ceremonies and you drink uh, the full cup or maybe less and you help other people. There, there are people that can come and be in the group and uh, experience the experiences of other people and help them. They can even vomit for the other people and they can uh, basically 
help other people in the ceremony so it's it's like it's it's so common it's um it's not even considered you know a rare occasion mm. and people seeing or feeling similar stuff or the energies being shared or uh, that's very common i've never heard anyone describe i've heard people describing seeing same things and more, more than one people more than one person seeing something that should not be there you know it's it's easy to say one is crazy but then two are probably not but uh seeing spirits together not really separately yes but seeing other stuff that should not be there together yes that happens uh so as speaking about spirits that's why you need uh, and uh, and I, a shaman a good uh, professional taita because he will protect you from that because the way they explain it is when you have a bonfire and something happening the the, the like loose spirits around from the nature they'll they'll be attracted to it and they'll want to come and check it out. And if you don't have some kind of, some form of protection, you know, you're, you open your soul during the experience and some, some, instead of like cleaning some garbage, some other, you know, maybe bad, uh, ill-willing spirit comes and uh, joins you for, for the rest of your life, or maybe even for generations, because some of the stuff you're purging is not from your life. It may be from your ancestors. Interesting. So it's it's maybe something you you're you're carrying uh, an inheritance of bad spirits. Um, interesting that. So, but you touched on the importance of a good shaman and you know a knowledgeable, well trained shaman. Can we get into the the? We have to discuss because you know I saw your I saw your note on Facebook saying you'd want to be on a, on a podcast, and then someone responded. I guess in Medellin saying, you know, you're a, a qualified, that just means you're a qualified drug dealer or something like that. How do you respond mm-hmm. to those kind of criticisms? Yeah, I, I, we get that a lot. And, and I don't judge those people too much because I used to think in the same way. I thought that pretty much every drug is heroin. Like, you know, you'll start taking it and you'll get addicted and end up dying under the bridge. You know, that was my impression. I have not done any drugs till about three, four years ago. I only tried marijuana first, maybe a couple of years ago. So I was very, very like uh, limited in my, you know, openness to those uh, um, compounds. But um, my answer always is before becoming a drug, when, you know, Nixon's administration banned all, all those because people didn't want to go fight in wars, uh, it was a medicine for thousands of years so some people say some scientists say that ayahuasca has uh somewhere between uh, it's it's about five to eight thousand years old Mm. so and it's been used as medicine all that time and only last you know 50 years it's been called drugs by some people who predominantly people who never use it but uh the indigenous people kept using it still it's the it's their number one medicine because it's it's the you know the grandmother or grandfather depending on the tradition because not only it heals you directly but it can also show you what you need to do to heal mm. or which plants you need to use mm. to heal and and i do have to mention the, the the absolute tragedy of the the young boy because i reported on it here as a journalist i reported on it the english boy from i think bristol henry miller who was it must have been around 10 years ago now um, but I was reported on it for the BBC, and actually I knew the owner of the hostel as well uh, down in in Puerto Mayo. What happened? I mean, 
what happened to him because it was there's a, a lot of un i think I, the, things didn't fit for me in the story so i i don't what happened to, to poor henry miller so if if that's the if that's the story i've heard about because uh, somebody told me about a story of a white guy you know in the in the mokoa area of putumajo mm-hmm. who basically died and uh, if that's the same one if it's not a different one then the what what they later on found that he had some some cocaine in his system and uh, so what happens commonly and that's why we included in like introduction in our retreat is that people need to know that if you take ayahuasca like some people get drunk and then they take cocaine to you know sober up and some people do ayahuasca and they start getting uh, you know, a very negative feeling experience because, you know, they're processing trauma or something like that. And then they want to get out of that experience and they take cocaine and they can, it can cause a heart attack or some long-term damage to the health. But speaking of, uh, so not knowing enough about this specific uh, situation, what happened to this Henry Miller guy, speaking about like dangers of Ayahuasca in general, the, the, there are three things that can happen. Yeah, One is you have a bad shaman, basically... The shaman that does not know what he's doing or maybe doing something actively, you know, against you or trying to hurt you. That's 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 one situation. Like you can like get lost in that spiritual space and have no one to to save you or bring you back. The, the second is you have a a shaman that makes a bad medicine, uh using wrong plants or just adding specific plants, like they as I mentioned, some foreigners they treat ayahuasca as a you know like something to entertain themselves, you know, see some images. They don't really treat it seriously. So when they come to the retreat, all they want is to see like pretty pictures, like kaleidoscopes, sort of in their head, and 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 go away. And when they don't see it, they get frustrated. They complain. So some shamans to make sure everyone sees the images, they add another plant called borrachero to the to ayahuasca to make it more visual that's the plant they make scopolamine from and yeah you'll get visions 100 percent, but it's a dangerous mix for some people it, it can kill them as well or they or they go crazy run away in the jungle and, and die there you know because they don't know how to how to be there and the third is when uh, people don't follow the rules and they come and uh, they don't follow the diet. They take some medicines like uh, SSRI antidepressants can be extremely dangerous in, in a mix with ayahuasca. But there's many like on, on our in our Facebook group, uh, I always send people the link of uh, counterindications with the medicine. The list has like thousand items. You need to make sure you're not breaking the rules. And But if, if all of those three are... Um, are followed so good good shaman with good intention good medicine basically everything from planting the seed and then harvesting the plant five to eight years later and preparing the medicine and then giving it all done by the same person and then if you if the the person who visits the retreat follow the rules not is not taking any medicines it's extremely safe the ayahuasca is extremely safe so i've i've, I've done it many times and we have now had uh, more than 10 you know retreats with a lot of people coming and you know that's a that's a lot a lot of nights of a lot of people drinking ayahuasca and nothing really ever happens that you know you can say uh anything uh, uh, the only thing that happens is the healing right mm-hmm. nothing negative happens so it's it's i mean it's good for uh treating depression for sort of i guess hidden trauma uh, in people's past uh 
but how 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 is it made? I mean, you talked about the mix of the vine and the the, the sort of tr the, the other things, but is it like put in a big pot and boiled for days, or how is this made? Yeah, it's a, it's a brew, so it's a mix of uh, Banisteriopsis capi and the and the and the chagro plant. So it, mm. uh, they take the vine, they cut they cut it in pieces, and then they mash it with those like uh, wooden hammer looking thingies. It's a very labor intensive process. Then they put it together with the leaves of the chagro and, and the huge jugs, and then they boil it. Mm. Then they boil it, they sample it, they boil it, add some more based on what's necessary, and keep adding more water. The water evaporates, and they keep adding more. It evaporates again. So it's a lot of wood burning, and it's a ceremony in itself. It, it lasts three days and nights, and the shaman keeps drinking the medicine throughout this time and, you know, uh, like charging it with the, with the good healing properties. Mm. And um, yeah, it's 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 relatively simple from the basics of it. You just add the two and you boil them together. But uh, the the ritual itself is uh, is a bit more complex. But it's easy. I mean, honestly, the the, the ritual is important. This is a sacred, uh, you know, original medicine. I, this is not something that's just sort of cooked up uh, to provide a, a, a hallucinatory experience. This is this is that's what I. You know, when people ask me about it, and I said, well, you need to approach this as if not as a tourist, uh, you know, as, mm -hmm. as, as it is as something sacred. It is something of this of this nature. And I think that's when you start to look from that perspective, you're going to find the titers or shamans who are providing that service rather than, you know, I was not so long ago. Well, I, a few years ago now, seven, eight years ago, uh, the last time I was in Cusco in Peru, and I just saw the signs everywhere for it, uh, you know, obviously, as it was, it, it was clearly becoming, or it had become a, a, a you know, a bucket list thing for backpackers. Uh, so therefore, it was just sort of a legal, a legal experience, you know. That's a good segue into subject about comparing Colombia and Peru regarding the ayahuasca. Okay. Uh, so when I, when I first came to Colombia, like I, I already knew about ayahuasca and I was kind of curious. It was like in the back of my mind, but I, I just did not know it exists here. It was like Peru. Peru is where you do ayahuasca and there's and there's nowhere else. But what, what I eventually found out that not only it's as traditional here as in Peru, it may be even more traditional and, and more powerful, the, the brew itself, because... I've been explained by the shamans that because basically so many people came to Peru to drink the medicine, uh, they they cut down all the older vines. Like uh, the, and the older is the vine, the stronger is the medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's it's actually cultivated. It's not like you just you can't find it in, in the wild, but most of it is cultivated. Like my tati has like three hectares of his own ayahuasca that was probably planted, you know, by his grandparents. And he keeps planting more and they harvest it. It's, it's very sustainable. But uh, you need a plant to be at least two years old, but the older, the better. And like mm -hmm. in, 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 in Colombia, you still find like eight-year-old uh, vines that just give you, they're, they're just more, they have more wisdom, you know, because they, they're older, at least, you know, that's how I understand it. And uh, in Peru, those are no longer available because basically so many and it became so mainstream and also much more expensive mm. than than here here it's still you can still do you can still find a shaman that will give you give you the medicine for free if you go mm. to the right place because they, they're still 
connected with the original intention, but in, in Peru, it's basically just a business. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with making a business around it and making, giving people more comfort and more security to experience that, uh, as well as, you know, facilitation and integration in English. But uh, some some prices in Peru are ridiculous. Like this retreat, we had a, a couple that went to some retreat and it was three to $4,000 for a week. That's about 10 times more than we charge. And uh, they said they had a better experience with us. All right. And so yeah. well, let's, let's talk about this. Your, your uh, retreat is called Ayahuasca in Colombia. So you can look it up on the web, on, online. It's ayahuascaincolombia.com. So tell us about your, I mean, you have retreats almost a couple of times a month because I was looking online and you said you've done a lot. What's the, you don't want to become you know, having huge retreats. So I think you've got a, a, a guest limit, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, at the moment, the limit is 15 people hmm. to make it more personal. And uh, if we get to our capacity and let's say two weeks a month is not enough, then we'll do three weeks a month till we get to four weeks a month. And then actually I am uh, in the process now of acquiring some big piece of land in a picturesque, part of Antioquia with the river and waterfall. And then we'll just, uh, so what most retreats do, they basically get to a point where, you know, they're, they're too busy and they have too much people and then they just start raising the price mm -hmm. and then they end up doing the same amount of work and making more money. And I, you know, it's a very con convenient model, but what I would like to do is instead of doing that, uh, when we get to the capacity, build another medicine house and, get another title, build another team, and then just have like several ceremonies simultaneously happening at the same time. You can, I think you can get up to 50 people per ceremony if you have a right team. Uh, but more than that is, is a bit too much because I've been to ceremonies with like 120 people and like you barely see title, like he, he or she just passes you briefly and there's not much time for, for healing. So yeah, it's, it's complicated how to balance the the money making and the healing and the, all those factors together but I, i'm working on it at least it's an it's an exciting exciting job well i would say that the balance is so important because you don't want to be seen as someone who's who's creating a, a whole economy and a massification of something of this nature i mean you you mentioned 120 mm -hmm. people that you you went to a ceremony i mean that to me just seems out of control i and, and especially in this day and age when we don't want to be cooped up with a lot of people you know that's one of the things as well you know where mm -hmm. we're we're in a pandemic we want to be with fewer people and with more space so i think these are obvious obvious considerations uh so when do we expect your new place to be ready um if we're lucky maybe a year a year and a half from now maybe two it's so, a it's a it's a big big uh big job yeah so what, what i'm planning to build is like is build a little tribe um of people living coming staying doing the medicine and then living sharing 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 the space together, working together. So it's it's not just the medicine, It's uh, but the medicine is at, at, at the core. And uh, to note something about the, the whole, you know, uh, business part of it and how to combine the the money and spirituality, it's, uh, it's not easy, but 
in in my in my understanding is as long as the healing is your priority number one and the money is your priority number two then the the medicine itself will help you and it sounds strange but uh af after i started working with the with the medicine like there such thing as synchronicities started happening more and more often and i consider this podcast to be one of them as well like <laughs> the 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 universe sort of conspires to give you opportunity to let's say i wanted to buy a land to build a retreat and then uh, a person comes and says uh, how about i invest in your business a lot of money and we do it together or you know you need something and it just magically comes to you it's it's so strange but it's uh, it's hard to ignore as as of now you know this is not the voice of an engineer <laughs> this is no longer the voice mm -hmm. of an engineer definitely so yeah. tell us a little bit i mean we're having to wind down because you know we could talk for too long but i think i mean because you've got this new 60 hectares of land and you're going to be building this new place i guess let's say 2024 2024 we'll have it see it ready you must be anticipating you know waves of sick people wanting to come and yeah. confront their trauma what what i mean aside from the pandemic uh what what do i mean where do you think this is coming from or do you think maybe colombians with all of this this uh post-traumatic stress disorder which the i do believe that the mm -hmm. whole country is suffering do you think that, that you're going to be um appealing to a national market or always a a an international market I, I don't know where this realization came to me during the ceremony or maybe just my logical mind uh, thinking about it, but there's a mental health crisis happening now in the world, in Colombia, North America, you know, everywhere. Maybe even less so here because at least here people still have like Institute of Family and they have support, you know, from the, the family. Uh, but in like North America and Western Europe, it's it's pretty much gone. People are alone. People are sad. Every, like every third person has depression. So what I expect is that there will be like a huge wave of people. Like when, let's say people come to me and they get healing and they're, they're very grateful. And then they tell more people and then more people come. And it creates this chain reaction that eventually, you know, everyone and his uh, grandma will know about that. And they will want to go and experience that. So I anticipate like a wave of people coming here for the healing, which is uh, scary in a way. Uh, but in the other way, it's uh, it's amazing because I think it's a great opportunity for Colombia as a country to rebrand itself from from a place where people go to have fun or where cocaine comes from to a place where people come to get uh, meaningful healing. And speaking of things like depression, there I've I've seen it myself. You know, people heal their depressions for many years, or at least put it in remission. Uh, people come sometimes with, uh, they basically say, you know, I'm about to kill myself. Like, I don't want to live anymore. And then a week later, they're like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of want to live again. Thank you. You know, uh, people heal addictions, uh, traumas, phobias, you name it. And even if you're, even if you're, let's say, apparently healthy on, on the surface, you know, there's, we, we all carry a lot of stuff. It's hard to live uh, a life in this planet without getting traumatized some way or another so the the wave is is coming in my experience unless something crazy bad happens like world war three but uh, oh, after, after that there will be a wave eventually of <laughs> even more people to be healed but i'm i'm i my our doors are open you know it doesn't matter where you're from what mm -hmm. religion you have or 
or color of skin or sexuality, you know, you come and you get healing from the ayahuasca if you can if you can make it here. Have you have you had someone turn up saying I don't want to live anymore? I mean, that's, yes, uh, really. Uh, two two retreats ago, a guy came to our retreat, and he actually. So when I when I said that you know you don't mix ayahuasca with cocaine because it might kill you, he what he did was take some cocaine during the, during the ceremony because he said he wanted to die. I'm like, why on the earth would you like to die during? Uh, our retreat or on our hands, you know, I imagine the consequences, but uh, later on we spoke and he, he got some progress because he suffers from depressions and, you know, addictions and diabetes and a lot of, a lot of things. He's a, like an unhealthy person, but he, after the retreat, he had found some strength to basically go, uh, go to a rehab and start working on himself. And yeah, he, he on himself and he's, he, he said, he did say that, you know, he, he kind of feels like living again. He doesn't doesn't want to die anymore. So he he wants to give it a fight again, and I, I hope he makes it. You know, we. Yeah, I'm. I don't even want to consider the repercussions. And also, you know, someone wish, wishing to die is one thing, of course, and and a, and a tragedy in itself. Just the the thought, but also, in your retreat, I mean, that would that's the end of it. I mean, that's the end mm-hmm. of every plan and your rebranding of Colombia. You you become. Yeah, another uh, you know bad news story out of this country. You, you have to exactly. be very, very careful. <laughs> very careful. Yeah. Well, we do we do make people sign uh, the papers that says you know they don't have such and such uh, uh, compounds in their bloodstream. Uh, so that that would say probably protect protect us legally. But if you know if you get a bad reputation, That's it's it. very hard to to get through it. But it's hard to protect yourself from all the bad and there's a lot of risks in that industry and but uh it's still definitely worth doing it because for every for every difficult situation there's hundreds uh beautiful healing moments and right. and happy people well that's i mean a nice I, I mean you genuinely believe you genuinely know from your experiences that you're your uh helping people I, I i can hear that in the way that you talk to us and the way you're sharing these experiences and how your life has has completely turned around so i think that's as good a place as any to bring this to a close and say listen everybody of course if you are interested do your research you know, read up uh follow the guidelines I suppose you could even get in touch with Sam at ayahuascaincolumbia.com for, uh, you know, the feedback and and being able to talk about these things. Is it appropriate for you? Uh, Don't just sign up because you want some cheap thrill. That's that's uh, three. Treat the ayahuasca retreat you're going to as a visit to a hospital where you know sometimes uh, some procedures might be painful but yeah you'll find a healing experience in, in them and yeah if you, if you want to find more about us i recommend people join our group on facebook which is ayahuasca in colombia so uh, there you'll see you know the stories the reviews the photos from the events and uh, it's a good way to like quietly follow and get to know more about the medicine uh, just passively mm-hmm. And uh, when you're ready, then find the ayahuasca. If not with us, I still recommend. I still think there's a lot of good 
authentic uh, titus in colombia and other retreats i'm not saying we're the only ones <laughs> but um uh, I'm, uh we are the only ones i can be responsible for so yeah definitely Excellent. find find the healing it's it's an impressive medicine one of the top three things about colombia in my list you know weather uh you know uh, cheap prices and uh amazing access to all those uh, ancestral medicines there we go. Ancestral medicines is a good a good way of putting it, definitely. Well, Sam, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing with us. And of course, if you fancy getting in touch with him, that's the Facebook page, Ayahuasca in Colombia, or the website, ayahuascaincolombia.com. Again, Sam, it's been really fascinating to discuss this with you and to hear your, your life story and, of course, the other stories that have, you know, have surrounded you now in these last few years and, uh, and that you're making, you are making this your, your path. Uh, this is it. This is what you want to do. You want to be on your plot of land out there with the waterfall and the river and, uh, you know, providing, I guess, healthcare, a, a degree of healthcare through ancient med sacred medicines to others. So incredibly upbeat to be able to talk about this. Thank you for your time and thank you for well, sharing with us. Thank you, Richard. And uh, as I said, uh, when we first talked, you know, you're, uh, you're invited to one of our retreats uh, for free when you're ready. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that within five days we'll see you puke and release something. I, uh, <laughs> I I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not buying the whole uh, purity. Uh, I, I'm story. totally pure, and everybody will know that I'm <laughs> totally pure. But thank you for your time. This has been episode 420 of the Columbia Calling podcast. I've been Richard McCall talking to Sam Liev of Ayahuasca in Colombia. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course, with more. Uh, people talking about something Columbia related. Do check us out on patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling. You can sponsor the podcast there and help us continue to bring out uh, high quality podcast interviews, of course, and the news report, the news briefing every Monday with Emily Hart. Thank you again and goodbye. goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.